0: And Lord, because you have overcome, sin and death have been defeated. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now we welcome you, who are the living, eternal word, to come and speak your particular, specific word to us this day through our brother, your servant and friend, Alan Ross. So we bless him now in the word that you've put in his heart to, for us this day. And our hearts are open to receive from you, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated in his presence. And once again, let's welcome our brother, Alan Ross.
1: Bless you, one and all, as we continue. On the theme of Advent, uh, I want to jump into the ongoing unfolding of the theme of Advent, and Andrew made some references to that earlier today. I want to continue on the themes you have been exploring and unpacking uh, together as a fellowship. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 8 all the way down to 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, all the way down to 14. So good to be back. See so many familiar faces. It's good to see a lot of new faces too. So good to be part of God's family. Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 8. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a saviour, Who is Christ the Lord? This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is placed. Familiar Bible verses to most of us, a portion of the Christmas story. Of course, other Gospels chronicle the Christmas story. I have chosen Luke for today's Bible reading because Luke has produced a narrative, a story, that fits into the history of the human race. I see relevance in that, that we don't present to the world at this time a fable. We present to the world Jesus, the Savior, and with that there's a sense of the very person of Jesus playing a pivotal role in the history of the human race. Christmas story, of course, is all about the birth of Jesus. We are looking through the season of Advent at the theme of expecting. Andrew said earlier, there's good expecting and there's bad expecting. White-knuckled Christianity is bad expecting. Being led in the peace and grace of God is good expectation. We are people that live in expectation. The word expecting for us is layered. It's not a single explanation for what it means for you and I to be an expecting people, a people living in the reality of expectation. So as we develop the theme of expecting this morning, We need to look at the Bible verses from Luke 2, down three lenses. First of all, considering the Bible verses we read as a historical event. This actually happened in the history of the human race. Not only does Christian history record the birth of Jesus, but Roman history records the birth of Jesus... And Jewish history records the birth of Jesus. This is a historical event. There is no denying that. There's more historical evidence proving the birth and life of Jesus Christ than there is historical evidence proving the existence of Julius Caesar. Probably nobody here doubts the existence. Of Julius Caesar. Our souls very quickly say, Yeah, Julius Caesar was alive for a time and season. There is more historical evidence that proves the birth and existence of Jesus than the evidence that exists for good old Uncle Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar on saxophone. But you know, we serve a living Jesus this historical event, is also a spiritual reality. What I love about Jesus is the way his enemies end up falling in love with him and worshipping him and becoming his friend. Spiritual reality is not something that is ethereal in nature, but very earthly in nature. Because spiritual reality always changes people Circumstances and events upon the face of the earth. I recall reading one time about a Jewish businessman who had a daughter at college, and whilst at college, she became a Christian. She received Jesus Christ as her Messiah. He was crestfallen because, as an Orthodox Jew, he was still waiting for the Messiah. He decided he would approach it academically and develop a convincing case that would prove to his errant daughter that Jesus was a mere fable and indeed an imposter. But he started to do some superficial research and realized very quickly that, having not even plumbed the depths of the subject, he had evidence that proved. The authenticity of Jesus, the, the divinity of Jesus that went way beyond the highest standard in the criminal court of the USA, that is way beyond reasonable doubt. His crisis morphed and became another crisis when he suddenly discovered that Jesus was the Son of God, that He was the Messiah. Spiritual reality has come into all of our lives this morning. All of us had a life pre-Jesus. You know your story, I know my story. This historical event became a spiritual reality in our experience. This spiritual reality created and planted Bethel Christian fellowship. The spiritual reality introduced Western civilization to the new world and to Europe way back in the day. The spiritual reality has given many societies a cultural basis for life where biblical values have been in societies past and, yes, even present values that govern a person's individual morality and religious compass. Of course, there are consequences to the Christmas story. We're living in a new chapter of consequences of the Christmas story. We're living in a time where generally the Western world has become a post-Christian society. This is very true of Europe, especially Western Europe, America is not as far down the road as Europe, but you're going that way. There's an increase of secularization in America that deepens year after year. We're fighting for the cultural turf of America at this hour because at one time, the consequences of the Christmas story meant biblical values with a social norm in America, that generally Americans' religious and moral compass was set by the Christmas story. This cultural turf war is indeed a very busy place at the present time with secular voices, multi-faith voices, and strong political voices. But for you and I, We're learning a new way of evangelizing America. Now is the hour to re-evangelize America. And we are part of that journey. We are part of that experience. The historical event that has created spiritual reality and consequences for many nations, cities, and individuals only began with the babe of Bethlehem. We read this morning in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, about ordinary shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Men going about their normal business on night watch. I'm assuming the temperature was reasonable in the Middle East at that time of year. The Middle East can have a severe winter. Israel can have very cold winters. But here were the shepherds going about their normal business, probably thinking only a few more hours, and we go home and rest for a while. And then suddenly, and suddenly, there was a powerful experience as the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Here, in the night shift, they encountered a divine interruption. A divine interruption. Think of the shift from one mindset to another mindset. Not only did the glory of the Lord shine all around them. But there we, the angel went on to say, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This divine... Interruption to normal life proclaimed Christ specifically, not generically. Did not give the shepherds, and I'm sure they weren't looking for a way out, but didn't really give the shepherds an option for multiple explanations. Very clear divine interruption that I'm absolutely certain resulted in the salvation. Of every shepherd. I feel bold enough to say those shepherds are in heaven today. Perhaps some of them became shepherds of the flock of God in the early church. Perhaps some of them were home group leaders after the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. It stimulates our imagination. And one thing is for sure when we get to glory, we can seek out those shepherds and say, tell me your life story. Tell me your history after you experienced that incredible epiphany whilst you were watching your flocks by night. We're a people living in expectation. We have received the spiritual reality of Christ Jesus, Jesus, But we're looking for more. A good mixture in our hearts is to have a great sense of thankfulness to the Lord for all he has done in our lives. A sense of thank you, Lord, for the fulfillment you have brought to our lives. But the very principle of ongoing expectation demands at the same time we're entirely divinely unfulfilled, that we're expecting so much more. It's not just for you and I. Praise God for our personal discipleship. Praise God for our personal faith. But it's as much about this church, this family of churches that you're part of, the city of St. Paul and Minneapolis, Minnesota and beyond that, do the United States of America and the nations of the earth. You have an expectation. We look into the Middle East. At this hour, it's not a pretty picture. Al-Qaeda has morphed and become ISIS. Here we see the demise of one terrorist state in Colonel Gaddafi's Libya being replaced by a fledgling terrorist state seeking legitimacy in North Iraq, in parts of Syria, and being governed by a rogue organization called ISIS. The Middle East remains a very dark place this afternoon. And there we have Israel in the midst of all these anti-Christ nations, a tiny little democracy, a sliver of land, and yet the world's focus is often on Israel and surrounding nations. Israel is still expecting her Messiah. We have received not only our own Messiah, but we have received Israel's Messiah. And times will be characterized by an ongoing revelation of Orthodox Jews discovering Jesus as Messiah. We call him Jesus the Christ. Our Jewish brothers and sisters identify him as Yeshua, the Messiah. I've been on the edges and fringes of Messianic Judaism for the last two and a half years. I'm going at a slow pace. I have a very highly credible theologian called Dan Juster that has... Giving me some books, and I'm on the edge of the Tecon International movement. I have friends there that I speak to. If I'm working through messianic issues, it's not the main calling of my life, it's more on the fringes of my life. But God is debunking the church in the West of a faulty ideology, leaving Israel alone in isolation. That as we move further. Into the end of the age, the most hated communities on the planet will be communities of born again Christians that insist that Jesus is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the world. And yes, the Jewish race. A circle is turning around and becoming, we're going full circle with many historical issues regarding our Christian faith and the ongoing survival of the nation of Israel. It means in the season of Advent, our prayer needs to be for ongoing divine interruptions in the lives of nations, in the lives of cities, in secular institutions, in sin structures like the drugs industry, like human trafficking, like those issues we see presented before us in the media and absolutely breaks our hearts. Our prophetic prayer focus during this time of Advent needs to be on the theme of divine interruption in our families where our extended families are in chaos, where we're seeing Family members going through divorces and living through untold tragedies. Our prayer focus needs to be divine interruptions. We don't live with in a message, we don't present a history lesson regarding Jesus. And in the season of Advent, the principle of angelic proclamation remains valid, relevant, and we should have an expectation that the supernatural will surround Minneapolis and St. Paul during this Advent season, because the angelic is not designated to the realm of Christmas cards only. The angelic is an important part of the ongoing proclamation of the gospel Upon the face of the earth. Revelation 14 verse 6 declares, and I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. No exemptions in that Bible verse, no lines of demarcation in that Bible verse. The angelic, while it may be an alien theme to many of our natural thought processes, is a vital part of God bringing heaven to earth and executing divine interruption. The angelic is a vital part of the season of Advent. I firmly believe in the spirit of Christmas. I see this in towns and cities in the UK, even in more secular environments, whether it's office party time and nights out and hotels and dancing and prancing. It's not like God is the patron saint of all of that, but people living that way are often walking in the spirit of Christmas and know it not. The common grace of God manifests as the spirit of Christmas in many, many lives, even unsavory lives. We can be so offended by God's stubborn love for the bad guys. We don't mind God loving the good guys. In fact, we would be quite happy if God loved the people we loved and did what he liked with the rest, we see in the spirit of Christmas God's stubborn love. Christmas is a supernatural event. It's not a secular holiday. It's not a time where it's a mere gathering together of families. Holidays are good. Gathering together a family is good. But as we move more into uncertain times internationally, I believe the Lord is going to give the church in the West a working theology of the angelic and at the same time experiences of the angelic, not in isolation for angels and ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation, which means true angelic manifestation and proclamation will always point to the Messiah. We can have an expectation of unusual events in and around our lives at this time. If you've had a difficult year, a painful year, and I don't know some of you have, I am very aware of Jean Swanson's mum passing recently, and please accept my condolences, Jean. You're very much in the thoughts. Some of you in this sanctuary will also be grieving the loss of loved ones this Christmas. I believe the angelic will come to you and bring comfort to you, always pointing to Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. Christ the Lord, not a new age Jesus, not some kind of goofy explanations and statements that contradict the written Word of God, but a proclamation that is Christ-centered and makes us fall in love with Jesus more and more. Expectation. An expectation that this hour Needs to be more on the supernatural order than the natural order. We see great erosion in this nation. We see social breakdown in this nation and political chaos in this nation. Why should we put our hope in the systems of man to bring about change when we can believe in the Lord God of the supernatural? We can believe in the Lord God as a supernatural provider and live in heaven's realm rather than being buffeted and crushed in the systems of this world. The angel spoke of a sign to the, angel, to the shepherds in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. For you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. The angels gave the shepherds a sign, a baby in a manger. a Common occurrence in the nation, but this was no ordinary baby. The message of Advent points to the birth of a baby we all experienced what that means. When there's a birth of a baby in a family, I became a father for the first time almost 11 years ago. I was there when my wife gave birth to the baby. That was a cultural experience. And the doctor said, would you like some epidural? I said, yes, please. He says, not you, meathead, your wife. Okay, no problem. Yes, sir. No, sir. Everything you say is wise and just, sir. But this was the birth of no ordinary baby. A historical event that has spiritual reality and ongoing consequences. But the sign that we recognize in the season of Advent is the hope our expectations are drawn from. For this baby became the man of Calvary. This baby became the Lord on the cross. This baby became the resurrected Lord, the ascended Lord that sits at the right hand of the Father this very day, as well as living in permanent residence in our human spirits. We live in the reality of this sign that has been expanded and grown and developed throughout our lifespan. We live in the reality of a sign, and that reality is always changed lives. When I first came into spiritual reality, the consequences were immediate. I no longer was alcoholic and no longer lived in the wild side of life. There's been many changes in my life over the years. New pathways, new friends, new opportunities. Change is here to stay. And yes, we do have a personal testimony that we can present to the city, to the nation, to the nations of the earth, but we point to the outcomes across the face of the earth. When we do some research and discover that it was the body of Christ that established hospitals and hotels, I praise God for hotels. I stay in lots of hotels. My middle name is Hampton Inn. It used to be Holiday Inn, but I thought that was too pretentious. Hampton Inn has more of a conservative quality to it. When you discover that as the Holy Spirit has moved across the body of Christ, so there's been breakthroughs simultaneously in scientific research and in medical research, we have this awesome testimony that we can present to the rational mind. We can defend our faith rationally whilst pointing to deep spiritual significance. And that's the ongoing testimony, even in our post-Christian society. Do you feel crushed by that term this morning, post-Christian society? Many people under the age of 30, don't even know they're living in a post-Christian society. The cultural turf now possesses lots of secular values that they believe to be correct. Why not? Everyone is living this way. But for you and I, that narrows down to a single issue. We can see post-Christian society as a place where People have kicked God out of the schools, politics, business, families, marriage, domestic relationships, and every other sphere of social existence. It's not as complicated as that. Many people living in a post-Christian society are still sympathetic to a basic concept of God, the basic issue. And post-Christian society is simply the culture is offended by four words that are very precious to you and I in this Advent season, as well as the remainder of the year. Do you know what has created a post-Christian society? It's the offense in minds and hearts of academics that put together lots of the ideas many decades ago that filtered through different realms of society and thus creating a post-Christian orb. The four words that we love and yet has offended so many to create this new order is simply this. He was made man. That's what offended the psyche and hearts and minds of academics who looked at putting together a new ideology, that looked at putting together alternative values for business, for domestic relationships, removing the black and white from moral absolutes and introducing Situational ethics. Peggy, I'm sure you know a ton about this stuff in your own research and in your own ongoing career. But often it's in think tanks, in ivory towers, that values are developed, incubated, and filtered through society. That what we're living in today was forming in minds 50, 60, 70 years ago. Your responsibility is to model that basic spiritual reality. He was made man. The Christian faith cannot be any more simple and straightforward for you and I. As a Buddhist comes to us, and God bless Buddhists, if you're a Buddhist and here this morning, I would love to shake your hand. I would love to get to know you. People of many faiths, come to us with their explanation of God and their focus of God, we need to love people of other faiths and listen to what they have to say. Not fidgeting saying, why don't you shut up and let me share the truth. There's a sense of listening. And when we respond, we need not go beyond four words. He was made man. If you're mocked in this Advent season by some of your party, partying friends, the casual atmosphere in the office, oh, here comes Alan. He won't be doing any drinking and partying this season because he's not allowed to do so. We can smile and say, he was made man. He was made man. So we see people secularizing by degree every year. And we have that moment to speak about a faith, not in an arrogant, bombastic, I know the truth and you're a heathen kind of tone, but in loving, warm, yet declarative tones, we can say, he was made man. Expectation takes us into activities, and activities takes you and I into the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven being expounded upon the earth at this very special time. And We read in 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 2, the heavenly host praising God, a climax to this divine interruption the heavenly host praising God and declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. That sense of heaven interrupting the earth, that sense of the supernatural pointing to Jesus and resulting in praise to God at the heartland of our journey at the heartland of living in valid and very real expectations, we can rest and relax knowing the message of the birth of Christ involves heavenly activity coming to the earth. And when we have that basic outline of today's message firmly in our consciousness, divine interruption, proclamation, a sign, and then praise to God, we can enter the rest of God. We can enter the peace of God. For at the heart of the Christmas story, at the heart of Advent, is a revelation of how much people mean, to Almighty God. God loves us very, very much this morning. My prayer is you have a sense of the fatherhood of God reaching you where you are as He points to the birth of His Son at the special time of year.
0: As we come to a close here this morning, Ellen spoke about the incarnation as that critical place and it really is because that's what separates Christianity from every other religion is all other religions, all religion is somehow connected to how do I make myself acceptable to God Christianity says there's nothing that you can do but I sent Jesus That's grace.
2: Jesus, you're so wonderful. Altogether lovely. Altogether worthy. God, we thank you that you did come to be with us. God, in that place and space of waiting for you and yet you've come you're coming your kingdom's coming God I pray that you would help us as a body help us as a church to walk that out help us to walk in a place of bringing your kingdom God in a place of you became man you you hang out with us, and you're real to us, and you make yourself known to us, God, and you are crazy about us. You're crazy about the world we live in, God. Jesus, we just pray for our church, God, we pray for our body that we would be that incarnational. We'd be you with skin on in this Christmas season, in this Advent season. God, we just ask your blessing on each one, every family, every relationship, every friendship, every every person that's here. Pray your blessing on them in Jesus' name.